It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. When Rachel Logston's friend told her she needed to learn to quilt, her response was, quilting is stupid. Wow, to go from thinking she didn't like quilts to making wonderful quilts for others is amazing. Quilting came into Rachel's life at a time when she needed a new passion. It's incredible to hear of her transformation. Rachel, thanks so much for coming on A Quilter's Life. I'm so excited to talk to someone from Indian Trail. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited too. Let's start with where you were born and raised. I was born in San Antonio, Texas. I was an army baby. We moved around a lot, but then settled in Northern Kentucky, in Edgewood, Kentucky, which is near Cincinnati, Ohio. I lived there until very, very recently. You said you were born in San Antonio. When I think of San Antonio, I think of Air Force, but there's Army there? Yes, my dad was in the Army there. I'm not sure what base. All I know is that on my birth certificate, it's at the Army base, and they spelled my name wrong, so... Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) I bet that's caused you problems. Oh, it did. When I tried to apply for a social security card, it did. So we had to get a bunch of changes, but it's okay now. Wow. So I am curious, though, with it being spelled wrong on your birth certificate, did you have to switch to the way it was on your birth certificate or were you able to get your birth certificate changed? We actually got the birth certificate changed. When I turned 18, I went on ahead and had to do some paperwork and we got it fixed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Typographical errors, probably. Yeah. It wasn't hard to get it fixed. They had to find the original certificate and then go through. It was just strange, but they figured it out. Wow. Rachel, can you share a childhood memory? Sure. My favorite childhood memory is when I was six years old, I got horseback riding lessons as a Christmas gift. I still remember walking into the barn for the first time and seeing this white horse, this huge white horse, and he smelled so good. And I put my hand out and he sniffed my hand and his whiskers were all prickly and he just sniffed me and I was in heaven and I was just obsessed with horses from that moment on. But that's my favorite memory as a kid. Oh, wow. Did you ask for that and you got it? Or was it a total surprise? It was a total surprise. I was in love with horses from the get-go. Horse was my first word. (laughs) I had horse books. I drew horses. I talked about horses constantly. So my parents decided to Much to their dismay later, it got me riding lessons, expecting it to last a year and lasted a whole heck of a lot longer than that. So you said you walked into the barn. So I'm picturing, was that the very first time you were around a horse or been around horses before? I'd never seen a horse in real life before. I'd always seen them in pictures and in movies, but... 
I had never seen a horse in real life. That was just amazing how tall he was and how beautiful he was and the smell and the way his coat felt. And it was just, it was amazing. Fun. Yeah. And you said it went on for a lot longer. So you continued. Less- yes, I did. I stayed riding horses for a very long time. I rode up until about seven years ago. I had a horse, but as a kid, I took riding lessons and worked as a working student to pay for my lessons and did jumping. I did three-day eventing and was pretty good at it when I was a teenager and lost my nerve, which we'll talk about later. I lost my nerve as a young adult and was not able to jump and ride as well after that. But I love horses still. But yeah, it stayed with me my whole life. Neat. Mm-hmm. Well, besides possibly quilting, did you have other employment? I did. Actually, I've tried many, many different careers. <laughs> I've kind of had a uh, strange little hodgepodge life. I started out in, of course, as most kids do, working in fast food. Then I progressed to selling guitars. And I sold guitars for a couple years. I also worked at horse farms and stuff to supplement my income and pay for keeping a horse. Did some training of horses and uh, working at barns. I worked for a vet for a long time for a horse vet. That was really fun. And then I eventually realized that selling guitars was not for me and became an optician. And I worked as an optician for about 14 years. I realized when I was an optician after several years that it wasn't going anywhere. And I really wanted to go to school. I love science. So I decided to enroll in college and get a biochemistry degree. I wanted to work on vaccines. So I wanted to develop vaccines and I was in school for about two years. I was doing okay, except I couldn't hack the organic chemistry. So we were trying to decide if I needed to change my major. I started getting into microbiology and loved learning about viruses, really got into that. Then when I was getting ready to try to decide what to do as far as looking at my major, I was 29 at the time and I got cancer. I was doing my taxes. I was getting ready to mail in my tax forms at the post office. I saw a poster on the wall about breast exams, went home and did one, found a lump. It turned out that I had stage four cancer. So I spent a really long time doing treatments. I had several surgeries, chemotherapy, radiation. There were several complications that came from that. And I also lost a lot of memory when the chemotherapy was over and I went back to school. It was really tough. I did end up graduating, but it took me about seven years to graduate with a degree in biology and microbiology. Wow, that's a lot to go through. Yeah, it was it was pretty tough. The uh, chemotherapy caused a lot of damage to my body that we're still even 15. Gosh, it's been almost 17 years now. We're still learning about. It was pretty tough. So when I went through chemo. I had some blood clots in my lungs that happened. Like I said, a lot of memory loss. And when they did radiation, they accidentally burned my heart. 
they didn't know that this happened. They knew that they had burned a lung and I recovered from that, but we didn't know that this had happened until several years later, about seven years ago, I got pretty sick. I developed something that they call pericarditis, which is an inflammation in the protective covering around the heart. And it took about five years for them to figure out what it was. And then they had to do open heart surgery and remove that part of my heart. And when they did that, they found all the scar tissue from the burns. So I'm doing really well now. <laughs> and once they removed that, I started bouncing back pretty quick. Amazing. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, cancer really did a number on my body. So where were we? <laughs> so when I graduated from college, I went to work for the EPA. I was working with some guys on using viruses that infect bacteria to find ways to check for E. coli in water. And it was really cool. But that's when I got sick and I had to quit my job. I wasn't able to walk to the office anymore and wasn't able to get from the parking lot to my office. So I ended up having to leave. That was the last time that I worked an official job. Wow. Mm-hmm. It really takes a toll on all parts of our life, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Cancer was, it really changed my life. It taught me to be strong, but it was really, really tough. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Now you've just moved to Indian Trail. Can you tell me how you went from living in Kentucky to Indian Trail, North Carolina? Sure. My husband, he works for a steel company and they had a office in Cincinnati. He got a promotion and was transferred down here to Charlotte. So we were so excited to move down here. (laughs) I have always loved this area. When I was a kid, we would go to horse shows down here. And so I was a little bit familiar with the area, very familiar with North and South Carolina. So I was thrilled to move down here. So that's how we came to be. We moved down here at the end of January and got our house mid-February. Nice. Yeah. It's a wonderful area. Yeah, I love it. Besides quilting, are there other crafts that you do or have done? I used to draw and paint a lot. Horses. (laughs) I love to sketch. I do like to paint a lot. I love to bird watch. That's a big hobby of mine. I did dabble in some cross stitch, but I got a few headaches, so I never went back to that. Up until I decided to start quilting seven years ago, I had never really done any kind of sewing or crafts. Huh. How about other hobbies? Hobbies for me were all outdoors. I did with the horseback riding. Of course, I was obsessed with horses. So I did some bird watching, some hiking. A lot of things like that, a lot of active things. Now, hobby-wise, I love bird watching. We have a huge backyard, and I can sit in the screened-in porch or sit under my arbor and just watch all the birds come and go. And I'm excited about that because when the seasons changed from winter to spring this year, watching all the birds come through the migration was really cool. That is a, a big hobby of mine. I also love to write. I do a lot of journaling and writing. And that's really fun. I actually wrote a book a long time ago. That was a cool experience. So 
Before we move on to some of the quilting stuff, you mentioned you lost your nerve with the horseback riding. Did you want Mm -hmm. to talk about that? Sure. When I was younger, I would ride and I loved doing it. I loved the jumping. During the cancer, I was like, I'm going to get a horse. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get back into it. I'm going to ride again. And that was pretty much my motivating factor for getting through it. But when I started to ride again, my body had changed so much and my balance had changed so much that physically I could not ride the way that I used to. Also, when you, you know, you get a little older (laughs) and and you realize that you break. (laughs) You don't think about those things. When you're a kid riding, you're just, you don't think about getting hurt. But once you've been through a traumatic experience, you realize that you don't bounce anymore. (laughs) So I had a couple spills and it was also that combined with the physical, just, I couldn't keep my breath anymore. I couldn't do cardiovascular work. So my weight kept going up and up and up. It was getting harder and harder to exercise each week and those kind of things. So the physical problems combined with the mental part of it, just the fear of falling off went from fear of jumping to then fear of riding. Eventually, I just became afraid to ride. So I kept my horse, but I couldn't ride him anymore. I just got to the point where I was just too afraid to. Mm. Mm -hmm. I kept him for two more years. My heart kept getting worse and the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And I was out with my friend. She was a vet. She came out to check. He'd cut his leg and she was just checking on him. And I was washing his leg off and I passed out and fell underneath him. And he was very good. I didn't get hurt. Nothing happened. But she told me then, she said, Rachel, you have to stop. She said, you can't brush him anymore. You can't keep up with him to walk him anymore. She said, you've just deteriorated so much. She said, it's too dangerous for you to be around them. So I made the decision after I thought about it for about a week and made the decision and then I needed to find him a new home. It gutted me. (laughs) I was just so upset. It's really funny. I called my friend and I said, what am I going to do? I said, I have to sell him. I said, what am I going to do with my life? I said, I've spent all this time and all this effort on horses and all I've ever thought about, it's all I've ever done. And I said, how am I going to find a passion? What am I going to do? And she said, well, you're going to quilt. And I said, quilting is stupid. (laughs) I said, I don't know how to sew. I said, I don't like quilts. And I had this vision of a quilt in my head that was just something that is not what quilting is. I just told her, I said, there's no way. I said, I'm not going to quilt. That is so stupid. And she said, oh, no. She said, you're going to research this and you're going to quilt. And she pushed me (laughs) and pushed me and nagged me. And finally, you know, after a couple months of this, I got onto YouTube and actually started looking at things. And I thought, wow, this is kind of (laughs) cool. So I started to research stuff and went to a couple of local quilt shops and just started learning on YouTube about sewing, borrowed my mom's sewing machine. And that's how it started. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So what did your mom think when you borrowed her sewing machine? Oh, she didn't mind the poor sewing machine. It was this beat up thing. You couldn't sew a quarter inch seam on it. It didn't even have a plate to <laughs> be able to tell you put your seam. Oh, it was horrible. The first quilt I made was just this awful, awful thing. 
I gave it to my mother-in-law and she still has it. She treasures it, of course, because she's awesome. But that poor machine, my mom and I were fighting with it forever, trying to get it to work. And sometimes it would work. Sometimes it wouldn't. I don't even know what it was. It was really old. I know she'd had it through my childhood. It was a pretty old machine and pieces missing off of it. And it was just yellowed because it was so old and had tape marks all over it. I don't know what brand or model or anything. I don't know what it was. It has since been retired. (laughs) (laughs) So your friend introduced you to quilting. Yep. Now, did she just tell you that's what you needed to do and to research it? Or did she show you some things to do? She coached me a little bit. Everything I learned, I learned from either YouTube or hassling the uh, ladies at the quilt shop. And my friend, her name is Robin. I would take my quilts when we would go out to lunch or anything. I would take my projects with me and she would look at them and say, oh, you need to work on your seams here. You need to work on this here. And she showed me a lot of the basics by just critiquing what I was working on. So it was pretty cool. She helped me several times with figuring out what I was doing that needed to be improved on that and just internet and you know, like I said, hassling. The ladies at the quilt shop were very good, too. They helped me a lot. Uh-huh. Quilters are great at helping each other, I think. Yeah, they really are. They're really fun. And I lucked out because I had a little bit of background in art. I took some art classes in high school and in college. And so I'm pretty good with color. And that helped me a lot, picking up color and patterns and learning to design things. I picked up on that really, really quick. So the aspect of sewing a quarter inch seam and how to press and how to cut, that all came with time and practice. But the art side of it, I picked up pretty quick too. So So even though you're not riding horses now, does that show up in your quilting at all? It does. I do some horse quilts that are fun, but for the most part... I've really let that side of my life go. Now, I watch horse movies and horse videos, and I have tons of friends that ride horses. I'm very interested in the horse world still. But it doesn't really show up in my art that often. I'll do horse quilts if someone wants one. I'm teaching myself applique now, which is really fun, and I'm working on a little horse applique image now, which I think is going to be cool. But it doesn't show up that often, no. Hmm. Now I still draw them. (laughs) (laughs) Whether it's a quilt that you have made or someone else has made, do you have a favorite quilt or a quilt pattern you'd like to use? Yeah, my favorite type of quilt to make is the One Block Wonders. I don't know why, but there's something about the design that makes me really happy. And I feel like this is kind of a symbol for my life (laughs) where you take things and you cut it into little bitty pieces and you put it back together and you make this awesome picture. There's something cathartic about it for me is to take these things and rearrange them into these patterns and different things. So my favorite quilt that I've made was one that I did. I love the artist Josephine Wall. I think it was Three Wishes Fabrics that sells her stuff. And she has the most beautiful panels. And she had one called The Spirit of Flight. And I saw that and I said, I want to make a quilt out of that. So I took it and made a One Block Wonder. And it 
worked out beautifully. It just, oh, it, it just was so nice. And that's the favorite, the best quilts I've made. As far as the favorite quilt, I love looking at people's work. I don't think that I have a favorite quilt. Every quilt that I look at just amazes me with the amount of effort that goes into it and how you can see the stage that people are at with their work and with their art. It's really cool. Yeah. What is a favorite tool that you're so happy you have when you're quilting? My sewing machine. I have, (laughs) my husband bought me this machine in March last year. (laughs) I call it the mothership. It's a Janome. It's a memory craft 9450. When I saw that machine, I wanted it. And I sat there for a year and didn't say that I wanted it. And my, <laughs> my husband, I, I told him that I was just going to go look at machines. I also have a little tiny Janome that I use. And that's what I learned to sew on pretty much after the Sears thing died. So my husband, he bought me this little machine and I was using that and it was so hard to quilt with because I couldn't free motion anything that was bigger than a throw. It was really tough. And so he told me, he said, well, let's get you a bigger machine. And I had seen this machine and I really liked it. It happened to be on sale the day that I was looking at machines and I just bought it. (laughs) Best birthday ever. (laughs) So yeah, the mothership is my favorite. If I had to say like a notions, like a tool, I love those little tucker trimmer rulers. Those make me happy. I love those little things. They're just accurate and they're fun and easy to use. But above all else, my sewing machine is my fave. I'm not sure if I've heard of those rulers. Can you describe them? I can't remember who makes them, but it's called the Tucker Trimmer. It's a square. They're very accurate, but you can use them for making half square triangles. They're great for squaring up. They're basically just squares and dotted lines drawn on a grid, and you can take them and really quick flip the ruler around and square things really, really easy with it. I like it. It comes in half-inch increments, and it's just great for squaring because they're very accurate. I like them. Nice. Mm -hmm. I've been surprised at how many steps we take working on our quilts. Do you have a favorite part of the process, or do you like each step along the way? I like each step, but my favorite is picking colors and designing. I love matching colors up and trying to figure out what colors would look good with which or picking panels and trying to decide how, especially if I'm doing a one block wonder, how the uh, fabric is going to move, trying to make the fabric move with the quilt and trying to make the images move with the fabric is what I'm trying to say. I love the design process. I really, really like the challenge of trying to figure out what something's going to look like before you even get started and trying to envision something and playing with the colors is just fun. And shopping for the fabric is unfortunately, it's my downfall, but I sure love it. (laughs) (laughs) My husband's downfall, I guess I should say. I don't mind it. (laughs) Share with me your worst quilting experience. Oh, Oh, <laughs> well, I have two. The first was a bad thing that happened when I quilted barefoot and I dropped my seam ripper. That was bad. But the worst quilting experience I had was when I made my dad a quilt. 
And it was Josephine's knot was the pattern. And it's a bunch of rectangles to make like a knot looking design. I worked so hard on that quilt for his Christmas gift. I put it all together and I quilted it on my Itsy Bitsy Janome. <laughs> it was a big quilt. I mean, it was a full size quilt. I quilted it all, free motion, got everything done. It was bound and beautiful. And then I went to take a picture of it and I realized that I had flipped the design. This had taken me like over a month to make and I had transposed the rectangles so that it didn't look like a knot. The rectangles were all poking to the outside. They were just terrible. And I just went, no. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe he won't notice. <laughs> My dad's a real perfectionist. And my husband is an engineer. So he came downstairs and I said, what do you think? And he said, what's wrong with it? (laughs) I don't know. And I said, do you think he's going to notice? And Eric said, oh yeah, he'll notice. I couldn't pick out the stitches. My free motion was not good enough that my stitches weren't very even. They were still real tiny. I tried to pick the stitches out. They wouldn't pick out. So I had to cut the quilt. I cut the center out of the quilt, flipped it around and sewed it back together with the rectangles, almost like an applique looking. Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. And the quilt ended up looking pretty good because I fused the batting together and then stitched the top and the back. But that was a nightmare. And I still cringe every time I see that poor pattern. I know I need to make it again someday because it's a great pattern, but I really messed that one up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering how you came up with the idea to cut it out and turn it. That was actually my husband's idea because I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to buy fabric and start all over. What am I going to do? He's an engineer. He can fix anything. He just said, oh, you know, you could just cut this out and flip it around and that'll fix it and then just stitch it down. And I thought, well, I could try it. I mean, no harm, no foul, right? I mean, I'd already bought the fabric. So I tried it and it worked, but oh, there was a lot of bad words that went with that one. That was a tough one. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a great idea. I'll never do it again, but it was a good idea for that one. (laughs) I've heard the camera's great for taking pictures before you stitch the blocks together. Yes, that was a lesson learned. I now take pictures before I do my quilting, (laughs) before I put on my binding. Yeah, I do that now. I try to take pictures throughout the whole process because it really helps me to see colors and see what things are going to look like. I always tell my students, Don't ever just look at your quilt, step back almost out of the room and look at it. You can see the big picture. Don't ever just sit there and stare at it and go, it's wrong here. You've got to step back and look at the big picture. That's always my rule that I teach people. That and cut away from yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put the cutter towards yourself, but always look at the big picture is my rule of thumb for everybody. Yeah. You mentioned that you didn't think you would like quilts to begin with, Mm -hmm. but something drew you to it. Do you know why you're drawn to this craft rather than working on something else? I really think I like the different aspects of it. I like the art plus the thought process plus the math. I mean, you get to have, it's like an art, it's a science. You have to be precise. You have to be accurate. But at the same time, you have to be artistic. And I just love the challenge. I love that. But really, for me, it's so symbolic to me 
every time I make a quilt, I think of my life and I think about how it's so different from what I thought it would be and how beautiful it turned out to be. And I really think about that. It means a lot to me to take something and make it my own. I can take fabric and pieces of fabric that don't always fit together, that don't always look right together, but I can take them and I can make them into my own design. I can create my own thing. It's, it's really, really cool to me. Mm-hmm. I love that. And who do you usually make your quilts for? I make them for family and friends for the most part. Word of mouth has gotten out on Facebook about my quilting. And so I've sold a few quilts. It does enough to be able to pay for my habit, which is nice, my quilting habit. (laughs) So that's pretty good. My quilts that I sell usually pay for themselves and that takes care of the fabrics and things. But I also do quilting for, in Northern Kentucky, I started a group. We started off sewing masks when the pandemic hit. But now we graduated to making quilts for a local hospital and they give quilts to the people in the ICU. We also make quilts for hospice and make pillows for hospice. And then they do some quilts for the NICU, for the neonatal care unit. I started the group, got together about, it started with about 40 people and grew to about 80 people and coordinated it on Facebook and just found these incredible people that quilt. Now that I've moved, I'm still in touch with all of them, but someone else has taken over the group and they're carrying it on. And I just think that's awesome. Right now I'm working on a quilt for auction for a local bird rescue, which is pretty cool. They're going to do an auction and I'm going to donate one of my quilts to them for use in their auction. Nice. Yeah. And then I'm also working on, it's my first applique of a hummingbird for the hospital that I started the sewing group for. Their motto is a hummingbird. And so I'm doing a hummingbird applique for them that they're going to keep on the wall down in the ICU. So that's pretty neat. I'm trying to picture what you'll put on that quilt label. I don't know. I'm trying to picture that too. I haven't been able to decide. (laughs) I don't just want to have my name on it. I might put the quilt guild's names, the people from the quilt guild's names on there. I'm not sure. The uh, Facebook page is just donate quilts and pillows for hospitals is the name of the Facebook page. So it doesn't have a very good name to put on a label. So I don't know how I'm going to do that. I'll think of something. I may just ask the nurses to think of something and write it on there. I don't know. Share a quilting tip. Well, I would say my first quilting tip is always look at the big picture. Again, that's my big one. You know, just always step back and look at your work. Step back and look at it. And if you don't know, you get stuck or whatever, just step back and look. It gives you a whole new perspective. That's my biggest quilting tip. Mm-hmm. And that's a good one. I saw your email address had Dragonfly Quilt Design. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming you're starting or have started a business. I am starting a business right now. It's basically just word of mouth through friends with friends on Facebook, but I am going to be opening up an Etsy page as soon as I can get a few more quilts made that I want to sell. 
I have one that is in the process of being bound and I'll have that on the Etsy page. That's another Josephine wall, one block wonder. I have that one. And then I'll have a few more that I'm getting a few more UFOs that I'll get to work on soon. But yeah, it's a work in progress. We'll just have to see what happens for the business. I want the quilts to pay for themselves and then have a little bit of money left over to donate. I'd like to donate to people to start another project here in the area in North Carolina with the hospitals or hospice, something like that, another quilt project. So I'd like to use the extra money to buy supplies and stuff for that if I can get that running. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you're just beginning, but can you describe how you went from having quilting as a hobby to thinking about having a business? Yeah, I basically quilt so much and there's so many things that I do with it. There's so many supplies. I wanted to just be able to support myself with it. My husband is very willing to support my habit, but I feel better if I'm more self-sufficient with it. So I thought I would just try. People have been offering to buy quilts for me and have me design quilts for them and do quilts. So it just was kind of a natural step. Mm -hmm. And then I decided to name it Dragonfly Quilt Design because to me, dragonflies in a lot of literature and folktales and things like that are symbols of a dream come true. So that's why I like to think of the dragonfly because I think of life and dreams coming true and how sometimes your life comes out better than you ever, ever dreamed, you know? And so that's why I named it that. That's really fitting. Yeah, I think so. And when did you start thinking about doing it as a business? I think it was about two years ago. I was recovering from the heart surgery and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And people just kept asking to buy quilts. So I was making quilts. Finally, my husband said, maybe you should look at doing this as a business. And I said, okay, so I'm just looking into it and we're just trying to see what happens. So yeah, it's not an official business yet, but it will be. Yeah. Yeah. But with that, you said you've been able to make some quilts for others. Mm -hmm. How did it feel when the first person bought a quilt that you made or that you designed a quilt for a person? How exciting was that? Oh my gosh, it was so exciting. It was really, really exciting. The first quilt that I sold was actually that Spirit of Flight quilt that I made, the One Block Wonder Spirit of Flight. And the girl that bought it, her name is Kelly Ritchie. She's a very prominent blues guitar player. She's also a life coach and does a lot of work with people in various areas spiritually. And she's a really neat person. And she bought it. Oh, it just thrilled me. She put it up on her webpage. Oh, it was great. I had all these people calling me interested in quilts and it was pretty cool. It was thrilling. How exciting. Yeah, it was really exciting. Now, if someone's interested in finding you to make a quilt for them, where would they go? They could go to my Facebook page, which is just Dragonfly Quilt Design on Facebook. Or they can reach me at dragonflyquiltdesign, that's with no S, at yahoo.com. Or they can call me and my number's on the Facebook page. Great. And I wanted to thank you for sending Carrie Ann Barker my way. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. You're going to love her. 
If you ever want to meet a good, kind person, that's her. She is cool. I am looking forward to interviewing her, too. Yeah, wait till you hear her story. You're going to be like, whoa, she's amazing. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. <music>